Welcome to the Fish Nerds Podcast, a show that's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly to I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the Fish Nerds Podcast. And uh, today's a little break from our normal show. I'm a special edition. I got a chance last week to head down to the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center to be their special guest for their Sensible Seafood Week. I did a series of talks. One of them was called A Lunch and Learn, and I recorded that uh, to give to you. Now, next week, we will have Virginia Aquarium special, and you'll hear all about the trip to the Virginia Aquarium, the seafood festival, all the cool people you met, and everything else you ever want to know about the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center. So, without further ado, here is the talk I did at the Lunch and Learn. This is the talk about, about the quest to catch and eat every kind of freshwater fish in New Hampshire. Special thanks to Leslie Clements and Karen Burns for, for having me down. Enjoy. So- All right. Hey, hey, thanks so much for having me. Before I begin, uh, I'm going to ask one question. Who's ever heard of a podcast? Right? So there's, there's a good mix in here. And, and usually you actually see a generational mix. Usually you see people over, say, a certain age, maybe you've never heard of it, and the people under, say, 30 have, and then there's people in, in the middle who haven't. This one groups a good diverse mix, which I love to see. If you haven't already started listening to podcasts, you may want to think about getting into them, because uh, any topic in the planet that you're interested in hearing more about, you could find as a podcast. All your NPR shows are available as podcasts. All your talk radio shows on most radio stations around the country now are available as podcasts. And then there's a lot of people like me, what we call ourselves indie podcasters. Podcast, all it is, is it's recorded audio um, that we put on the internet. It's free radio on the internet. And if you carry a smartphone, you're already carrying a podcast in your pocket and don't know it. Your iPhone has a native app called Podcast on it. Uh, but today I'm going to talk a little bit about podcasting, but I'm going to actually go back further and tell you about um, the history of the fish nerds uh, and where we come from. Uh, but just before that, I'm going to play a quick sample of, of a podcast I got to do last summer uh, at the Boston Symphony Orchestra. I'm just going to play just the first few seconds. Yeah. Because just so you have an idea what they are, and I'm independent. I don't have any, I'm not a sponsored person. I'm just a guy who records a podcast in his basement and talks to everybody who wants to talk about fish. So my podcast, why is this not working? There it is. <laughs> so my podcast is called The Fish Nerds, but I haven't been always called The Fish Nerds. We didn't go out in the world deciding to make a podcast. Uh, and what happened is I used to work at a place called called the Amoskake Fishways in Manchester, New Hampshire. It's an Audubon Center. I was a naturalist, program naturalist educator, science teacher. Um, just like a lot of people in the room here, we had a lot of very similar kind of ethics and, and morals. And what the Amoskake Fishways was is a fish ladder that allowed fish migration to happen on the Merrimack River in Manchester, about 70 miles from the Atlantic Ocean. And we focused on anatomous fish species like Atlantic salmon, uh, sea lampreys, uh, American eels, which are catadrous, I know, I'm sorry. Um, American eels, herring, and shad, and all those really fun fish. And it turned out I loved, turned, I really loved talking about fish. And I ended up having to quit that job a few years later uh, to teach real science in a classroom. Um, that's an example we see in the windows. Those are wild herring. Swimming, that's not an aquarium. That's wild fish swimming by my office window there. Um, 
And uh, my friend Dave, that's the other guy in the picture there. I'm the, I'm the guy with the beard. My friend Dave and I were ice fishing one winter. We love ice fishing in New Hampshire. Uh, and we both realized one morning that we were getting old. And we were just fishing, and Dave says, wow, Clay, do you feel old? And I said, no, because he's older than me. Um, and, uh, and he goes, well, I do, and I feel like I haven't done anything with myself. He was an uh, oceans planner um, in Boston at that time, and I was a science teacher. And uh, I said, well, I feel like I've done lots of stuff, you know, but he wasn't feeling it. And he goes, let's go, let's do something really cool this year. Let's catch every kind of freshwater fish in New Hampshire. That's what, that was the goal, a one-year quest to catch all the freshwater fish in the state of New Hampshire. And there's, by, this, by the way, there's 48 species of freshwater fish in the state of New Hampshire. And I'm the kind of guy who always says yes to every idea I hear, which is why I'm here today. Um, it's, I, I, I like to do stuff. I don't know how to say no to any opportunity. So I said, yeah, and let's eat them too. So the quest was born. And it was all about diversity. We were, one of the things we were talking about when we launched this quest is, first of all, no one's ever, on a hook and line, caught every freshwater fish in the state of New Hampshire. No one's even tried. And turns out, nobody ever heard of a Tesla-laid darter. And no one's ever heard of a fall fish. And no one's ever heard of a creek chub or some of the fish that, that no one knows about. And we thought, let's, let's celebrate the diversity of the fishes in New Hampshire uh, by catching and killing them. Uh, but, but one of the things, and the reason when we were talking about this, one of the reasons we decided to eat them, first of all, we like to eat, but second was by eating them, now we have something in common with every other person. Everyone eats, right? Not everyone fishes, but everyone eats. And it turns out in the scope of the quest, people almost want to talk about eating the fish more than they want to talk about the, the animals themselves. So kind of a fun, a fun topic. Anyway. Uh, and we called the quest the Catch Em All Quest. And we bought the domain catchemall.com and we made a really cool looking logo, which we still use occasionally. Um, and we, we made an LLC and we were going to be the biggest writers coming out of New England. That was our plan. Was to, so we contacted two magazines, one in Conway, New Hampshire called The Mountaineer, Mountaineer, and the other one called um, out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, called The Wire. By the way, both went out of business while we were on the quest. Not our fault, I don't think. And we got to work, and it was wintertime. And New Hampshire, we have a fish that nobody knows about called the burbot. Uh, anyone ever hear of burbot before? You've heard of burbot? You, yeah, where have you heard him? You read it somewhere, right. Burbot are the only species of freshwater cod in the northern hemisphere Right? And so it's a freshwater cod fish. It actually is a cod. You see that barbell on its chin there? That's your giveaway. Uh, it is a cod. And they, they're only able, you can only catch them in the ice. They, they almost hibernate in the summertime. And they only live in super deep, cold water lakes, like Lake Winnipesaukee, biggest lake in New Hampshire. And so, uh, so our first fish, we decided we had to get the, get the burbot out of the way before the ice melted and kind of break, break the ice with the burbot. And our, the technique for burbot fishing, they're nocturnal, is you go out in a little ice shanty, and we had this big plan. We, we were going to catch and cook the fish on the ice. It was 10 o'clock at night. We walked out on the ice. On that night, it was 20 degrees below zero with the wind chill. We packed up our pack sled. We had a tent with us. Um, 
and we dragged it out on the ice. And this is, by the way, I, I'm now an ice fishing guide. At the time, I was not an ice fisherman. I, I was an ice fisherman, but not great at it. Not great at it now. Um, but I, I was an ice fisherman. So we dragged this, we dragged this um, sled on the ice, and we tried to set the tent up. And it was 40 mile an hour winds, freezing cold, and it was like setting up, setting up a box kite. So you pop it up, and it's like you're dragging across the ice. It took us about half an hour to get it staked into the ice. You actually screw it into the ice. We got inside, we turned the heater on, we had a sonar, and then we sat in that shanty jigging with a little tiny jig and a big piece of dead fish for three hours. It didn't catch any fish. By the way, with us we also had a stove, a bottle of wine, and all the stuff we needed to cook, um, they call it uh, poor man's lobster, when you cook a, a bourbon. You boil them in, in water and salt, dip them in drawn butter, and it tastes like lobster, like Patagonian toothfish, right? Um, and, and that was the plan. And of course, we came off the ice with no fish and uh, sat at McDonald's shivering with our cup of coffee, contemplating what the hell have we gotten into? Like, why are we doing this quest, right? So the, the traditional way of catching bourbon is not sitting in a shanty jigging. It's you walk out in the ice, you drill six holes, you take a paint stirrer, that's what I use, with a piece of cheap string on it and a hook and a piece of dead fish put in the bottom of the lake, and you go to work. And then you come back the next day, and you pull it out, and you've got your fish, right? So at the time, I was working um, for the community college system of New Hampshire, and I was wearing a suit and tie to work. And so I walked out in my suit and tie and did it. And the next day, I had these two fish on the ice. Aren't they pretty? And in that day, it was warmer. It was about five below zero. Those were caught two minutes apart from each other. And you can see their eyes froze immediately. They just flash froze on the ice there that day. But they're really cool fish, and we ate them, and you know we called it success, right? We're, we're excited. And we decided, we know what this quest needs is rules, right? Because if you're going to go on a quest or an adventure, and you don't have rules, you're really missing out. So we set a couple of rules up right away. First rule is, um, all fish have to be caught by legal means, uh, and whenever possible, hook and line, and never net it out. We weren't going to scoop, go out dip netting for minnows and call it caught. Minnows would have to be caught on hook and line, same as a big fish. But if there was a cool method of catching fish, like bows and arrows, which we tried, um, it didn't, didn't work out, um, that <laughs> we could do that too, but no netting was going to be happening. The other rule was uh, we had to eat the first legal example of each fish caught. So if, it, if, if we caught a fish and three inches was, was okay to keep and eat it, we had to do it. We couldn't throw it back and wait for the big one. It, and it's a different kind of fishing. Who fishes here? Bunch of you? Yeah, usually when you're fishing, you're going, you know, you're fishing all day, you're targeting striped bass or whatever, and you're catching them and letting them go and over and over and over again. When you're quest fishing, like we were doing, it's a different brain entirely. So we would go out on the ice, and, or early, especially early on, we'd go out fishing, and we would catch that one species of fish, and we were done fishing for the day because you've checked off the list. You had to go cook it now. Second fish we caught, I'm not going to do all 48 fish, by the way. We don't have that kind of time. But each, each fish kind of came with its, with its own story. The second fish we caught um, was one of my favorite native New Hampshire fishes, the yellow perch. I'm sure you have them down here. Is that, am I accurate? Do you have yellow perch in Virginia? Um, and they have them all over the world, by the way. And the first one we caught was that three-inch yellow perch. But rules are rules. We had to eat it. And the reason I'm telling this story is, as early as fish number two, our story had been picked up by um, NPR had already talked about the quest, um, and the local news had already started talking about it. Of course, we were writing about it. Um, 
But the reason we, I'm putting this up here is because we caught this in a town in New Hampshire called Effingham, New Hampshire, E-F-F-I-N-G-H-A-M. And so um, the recipe for cooking this for perch, because we caught it in Effingham, is we wanted to make, um, we, we decided to make what's called an Effingham sandwich because there's an effing ham. And so we, we had to do is you had to go out and catch one effing small perch, get an effing piece of bread, some effing cheese. <laughs> and, it, and it became this like long joke. And we got an NPR like the day after. And I started telling the story about the effing ham sandwich. And the, the producer who we were recording with just got really upset looking. But I, I'm, I just keep talking and walking that line. But I've been a teacher, so I'm used to walking those lines. But one of our favorite fishes, and it was actually delicious. And uh, People in the Midwest eat yellow perch, but in New Hampshire, yellow perch, people who catch them call them trash fish. And often they'll catch them, and you'll we'll walk by them when they're ice fishing, there'll be a pile of dead three-inch yellow perch on the ice. And I will ask them, are you going to eat those fish? And of course, they say, no, those are trash fish. I'm after a rainbow trout, which, by the way, not native, has no business being in New Hampshire. Um, and it, I'm like, but you're, you're a native fish. What are you doing? And I don't beat them up ethically, but I, I would say, I, would say like, I don't care if you kill them, but you should probably think about eating them. And then the bald eagles come down and eat them all anyway, but it's not really good for the bald eagles to be eaten that way either. Um, but yeah, and again, every single fish had a story with it. Um, then springtime happens, and it's spearing season for suckers. You can spear sucker fish for about two weeks a year in New Hampshire. And again, New Hampshire people don't eat white suckers. Have you eaten white sucker? They're so fun to catch. They're so fun. They're nice native. I, I love native fishes. They're so fun to catch. Um, and I learned something about myself. That by the way, on my way to work, I caught that in a shopping district at Mer in Meredith, New Hampshire. Um, what I learned about myself is I speared the one sucker, and I had this visceral urge to keep killing. Like it was like I wanted to go berserker and just spear all because they're everywhere in the river. There's hundreds of them. I only killed the one. Because our rule was catch the one fish, move on. Um, but we, had, you know, I, and then I traveled to Dave later, and we cooked it together and ate it together, and we fried it up. Um, totally delicious. A lot of people eat them smoked. They weren't very bony. You get nice big meaty fillets off of them. Uh, totally edible. Um, and I've eaten a few since then. Uh, about one a year when I go spearing for them because my I do it with my daughters. I have a, I, at the time of this, I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Now I've got a how old? Ten and seven, something like that. Um, but they—they've always done this with me, and and their rule is: if you kill it, dad, we got to eat it. And right now, they want me to kill and eat a fox in our yard that's trying to eat our chicken. So that's their. We're, we're in New Hampshire. What am I gonna do? So. All right, and then we had to get the big king in New Hampshire, the fish that probably brings the most sporting money to the state which is the landlocked Atlantic salmon. Uh, and we had these rules about catching fish, and I tried and tried and tried to catch this Atlantic salmon, and I couldn't do it. So I made more rules up, because it's my quest. And so we added a rule in at this point. And the rule we added was uh, we, can, we could uh, have other people join our quest with us. So I was out on the bank uh, fishing, and I couldn't catch it. And this guy caught a salmon. And he had been following my blog, and he had seen me on the news. Uh, and he, he told me how to catch it, and then I indoctrinated him into the quest, and he became part of the story. I also produced my own maple syrup at home, and so we did, a, uh, we did a, a maple glazed salmon steak right there on the side of the lake and ate this, 
ate this salmon up. I took some fillets home to feed my family. Incidentally, um, salmon, uh, Atlantic salmon, especially landlocked, are full of tapeworms, right? So I, I didn't tell my wife this. Um, when we got, we got home, I had these nice two salmon fillets, and I threw them on the grill, and a big tapeworm was crawling across the meat. I took its picture. I fed her the salmon. I blogged about it like crazy. And like three days later, she finally got back to my website and went, oh, my God. And, but I almost got single right there. Yeah, so lesson learned, don't blog about feeding your wife um, tapeworms without her knowledge. Yeah. I'm still going to feed her tapeworms, but I'm not going to tell her next time. It's going to be, I won't publish it. That's my problem. The problem with doing everything public or recording it or doing anything is there's no secrets. And if when you're talking to people, you say everything. And <laughs> you forget that sometimes. But at any point today, if um, this, I, this is a conversation. If you have anything you want to add or ask, just start talking, and we can go in any direction you want with this. I'm just going to tell the story, but... I'd much rather talk to you. So if you have things to ask, just do it, uh, and we'll be happy to answer them as we go. We, had, we, had, we came into problems. Because we had a production schedule of writing, we were getting paid to write for some magazines. I got paid to write for magazines, um, which I know, right? Um, <laughs> because we had that weekly schedule, we had to meet these deadlines, there were times we caught nothing. So one week we went out and we had to catch the mighty northern no fish. And we did the same story. Here's how you catch no fish. Here's how you cook it. We did a northern no fish chowder, um, which is just potato chowder. Um, and of course, when you catch no fish, that's when you take your nature photos. This, this little fox lives up in, uh, in Carter Notch, New Hampshire, uh, and it's always there. Anytime I need a fox picture, I can drive to that parking lot, and the fox will come trotting out from behind the gas station to see what we're doing. And at this day, it almost got in my car. And it, this actually is about three feet from, if I pan the camera over, about three feet from my front bumper of my car. Um, but yeah, so we do, we just always trying to have fun with talking about fish, but we can. We kept getting more and more attention. And I'm going to move this forward a little bit. Um, New Hampshire Chronicle called. I hope you can hear that. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's 20 minutes long. I could do that and go have lunch and come back. But New Hampshire Chronicle called, which that was a big deal. We're like, wow, we're hitting the big time. And we took them fishing. We, they wanted to go carp fishing, and we ended up catching bluegills and, and, and other fish like that. Um, but it, that happened, and things, again, start blowing up for us. We start getting more and more attention. We're still called the Catch Em All Quest, and we're having a really good time now, and fishing is easy, right? It's, we're still, you know, we're at number, I think at this point, like 15 or 16 fish in, and so there's still lots of fish. We haven't got any of the hard-to-find species or rare species yet, and then that starts coming sooner. Uh, let me see what we're at here. Try to advance that slide. Oh, we got on the front page the Union Leader, which is anyone who follows politics knows the Union Leader, right? It's the biggest newspaper in New Hampshire. 
Um, usually they endorse candidates, but they endorsed us. Which we're like, and we're above the fold there. New Hampshire Magazine did a story on us. Everyone loves that yellow perch picture. Uh, did a story on us. I mean, we were like, just, we were the thing. We, we thought we were the thing. No one really, my, my wife didn't care. Um, people, <laughs> we, we were the thing. Uh, and then even, even local TV, this is outdoor television. Um, let's see, oh, it, we got to a point where we were having trouble deciding how to cook the fish. Neither one of us were chefs. And so we started using uh, alliteration. Since we, alliteration works so good in writing, it must work well with cooking, right? And when you say, when you make up a recipe and use alliteration to make your recipe, it's like saying a little poem. So we caught a, a, a pickerel in New Hampshire, a chain pickerel. And so we thought, hmm, what can we cook with pickerel? We can pickle it. So we made pickerel, pi pickled pickerel. And we went on, and we decided to bring that on TV. And we, at this point, we started, every time we made an appearance anywhere, we would make the hosts eat the food we cook. On NPR, we, we did a, this is not a part of this, we went on, on NPR, and Virginia Prescott um, from our, our local NPR station, we made her eat um, the Feast of the Seven Fishes, but we cooked them all into Christmas cookies. So we put seven kinds of fish into a cookie and made her eat that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bad idea. I'm, I'll admit that, but but it's funny. It's totally funny. Um, terrible, terrible idea. So this is White Mounts today. Yeah, I don't want to take it. This is good to you, Chris. And nobody's tried this yet. Just so you know, it's not like you know. I, I know what we're in for. That's the host of the show. This is probably half that. Yeah, please do a quarter of that. Now the nice thing is, it looks like a skull, so pretend it's a skull. Why do I get the first one? We actually need to take a picture of the blog. I think we should pull this. I think we all take a bite of the same thing. Oh, no. No, no. What's it smell like? It smells, hopefully there's enough pickle ingredients in there. And we promise there's probably no parasites. Parasites are the other thing. You get every fish you catch as parasites. That's right. It's important to either cook your fish well or to freeze them. This is pickle. It's not cooked. Now, if you watch, watch what Chris does in a second here. You'll see. You're going to see him lean off camera. And we don't notice. We're too busy talking. That's their producer, Hans. Uh, how is it? I get one. Not bad. I'll take the boat out of my It's already really good. Well, <laughs> I did. And then I crunched into something. I'm like, I'm eating a skeleton. Yeah. Mm, yeah, well, I think about pickling fish. Most of it, the backbone. You probably got the backbone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you want. Ooh. Oh, 
It's the aftertaste. Oh, you actually swallow it. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's actually not good. It's good. Oh, good. All right, we, you know, and so we had to catch regular fish too, like like largemouth bass, and who doesn't like catching those? And we ate that. We made we made black and black bass, right? <laughs> Good, keep with the theme. That was delicious. Bass are yummy. No one eats them. They should because they don't call bass invasive species in New Hampshire because they make money for the state. But bass, I, I think, if you were to really define them as invasive, I think it would be very easy to make a case for them because they are everywhere. They're prolific. They spawn like crazy, they eat everything, and they're not native to New Hampshire. Of the 48 freshwater species of freshwater fish, I said freshwater twice in that sentence. Of the 48 species of fish in New Hampshire that we have, um, only about 12 are natives. Al almost all the rest were introduced. And the reason that is, is if you couldn't adapt to glaciers coming through and ruining, like taking away all the water with them or freezing things, you couldn't survive. So if you couldn't, buried down in the mud for years, or you couldn't go out to the ocean and come back, you pretty much were wiped out. So that's why our diversity of fishes is so low as far as native fishes go. And you go out to the Midwest, some of the places where they didn't have big glaciers, you might have 216 species of fish in some states, which would be a much harder quest to complete. Uh, <laughs> if we kept it to natives, we would have been done 12 weeks. But what fun was that? But yeah, I can catch bass too. I know how. Uh, but then it got hard. Does anyone know this species of fish? Anyone recognize the family, maybe? You, so you say bluegill? You'd be in the right family, right? So this is a, a sunfish. Uh, and this is the rarest sunfish in New Hampshire and our only native sunfish. And that's a big one. That's the maximum size they get. That is a a banded sunfish that took us seven months to catch and we knew where it lived. We had early on the quest partner with New Hampshire Fish and Game and they gave us a list of all the fish studies in the state on a Google spreadsheet with the GPS coordinates and we put that into Google Maps and we had a map in New Hampshire with dots all over it with all the fish lived so we we knew where to go. Most states had that information so they gave it to us uh, and we went to the spot for months trying to catch this fish and we kept catching terrible things like brook trout and largemouth bass, and smallmouth bass, and rainbow trout, and all kinds of game fish. And then finally, we caught this, this little guy. We took a bazillion pictures, and we had to cook it. So we used alliteration again. And it, this was, this was in, in May. Um, by the way, I, I didn't tell you this. The timeline now is stretched out to three years. We, <laughs> our, the one-year quest is not a real thing. We could not complete it all in a year. Um, and I'm out of order a little bit. We got this one in May, um, I think two years into the quest, and into our one-year quest. And we caught it right around Cinco de Mayo. So we made, um, you're going to say it, right? Bandito banded sunfish, <laughs> right? Yeah, because alliteration. So to drink that one, we had to have it with lime, salt, and some tequila. So the way we ate it was <laughs> eat the fish, lick the salt, drink the tequila, bite the lemon, and it was gone. I mean, there was a tiny fillet of fish there. And I, I don't remember if it was good or not because the tequila 
changes everything. So I. <laughs> By the way, if everyone was eating banded sunfish, they would not be uh, sustainable food at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we had to do it. And then we had to get into eating minnows and stuff. And these are smoked common shiners. And one thing we learned is that the, everything in the minnow family of fishes uh, are delicious. All the bait we were using for fishing is actually better tasting than a lot of the food we've been catching. And uh, which, which, by the way, is not untrue for saltwater species either. I think if you're fishing in the ocean and you're using herring or mackerel for bait to catch big pelagic fishes, and you, your plan is to eat things, you might want to think about eating your bait. Uh, it's more sustainable, and it tastes good, right? Um, and you think about, it too, like, your bait in the ocean is bigger than most freshwater fish that we eat, right? So it's a really good way to go. But we smoked these, ate them on a cracker with Vidali onion, and they were totally delicious. We also fried uh, common shiners in chipotle, and dipped them in chipotle. And I could eat a bucket of those, like watching like a, a I don't watch sports, but if I were to watch sports, I could eat a bucket of those and do that. I'm too, I don't type, I, sports come on, I go fishing. I don't have time to do that. So a lot of fun eating, like just figuring things out. And again, that kept getting us more and more attention. Uh, and then we had an opportunity. Pitchapalooza was coming to town. Pitchapalooza is... Uh, a book pitching competition, like American Idol style. So you have one minute to sell your book idea to a panel of three judges in front of audience of hundreds of people. And they, you go and they draw names out of a hat for you even get a chance to pitch. Um, that's one of the hosts of the, of the pitch blows up on the podium there. Excuse me, lectern there. Podiums are rised. Lecterns are on the floor. Nerd. I can, I, can, I can see you a mile away. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, so we had an opportunity. So we went to Pitchapalooza, and our name got drawn out. Now, we were competing against um, NPR personalities at this event, pitching their books, um, other published authors, and including some New York Times bestsellings were at this thing. And the idea was if you win this contest, you get an agent to sell your book. So we were like, all right, let's do it. We went to a bar next door. We had three beers, IPAs. Um, and we planned our pitch, and we went, and we did the book pitch, uh, and we won Pitchapalooza. We, we beat all these other writers out who were writing about, like, meaningful things. And we were writing about, <laughs> we were writing about catching and eating every kind of freshwater fish in New Hampshire. And we, so we got hooked up with this big-time agent in New York City uh, who we, were, we thought, we've, we've done it, we've hit the big time. And he tried selling our book for a year. And Christmas rolls around, and he still hadn't sold our book. And we, we decided to rebrand. He said he's having trouble selling the book because you're, you're all about New Hampshire. And so we rebranded. When we were on that Chronicle segment you saw earlier, uh, in that, in the middle of the mix, we said, we're fish nerds. And we decided to change our name from Catch Em All to fish nerds, and magically, with all the aquarium nerds on the planet, no one had thought to buy fishnerds.com, and no one had thought to trademark it. So we did it. So now we own it. That's our, our brand. And you can see it's here. And um, it doesn't make us money, but it, it gives us like a fun thing to hang on our shirt. Um, but we still kept going. So we go back to, to what we're doing, and we're getting near the end of our list here, and we're starting to think we're not going to finish this list. Uh, around Christmas time, Dave caught the mommy chug. You guys have mummies down here, right? They're a great fish. They're the only fish to ever go to space. 
No, no, they've had more since then. But back in the Apollo days, it went to space. And the reason is, is mommy child can handle terrible, terrible conditions. They can handle bad water. They can handle really hot water. They can handle low oxygen. These are all the same things, by the way. Um, and they do really well. And so we, we, we caught that, and um, we made chog nog. So it was Christmas time, right? So we had some, I know. So Dave took the mommy chogs and molded them in cider spices. I know. And then we, we, we had them um, put on top of uh, eggnog. We put, we, we put rum in it. Don't worry. We, put, we mixed it with some rum to help. Uh, and, and we ate it. On, on, on television, of course. Um, <laughs> we made the, we don't have, I'm, I'm not playing the video for this, but we made the host drink it first, as always. And uh, we were talking about our book, potential book deals and stuff, and, and that was that. And actually, um, the, the mommy chog was great. I hate eggnog, so that part I really had a hard time with, but I have no problem eating the mulled cider spiced uh, mommy chogs. <laughs> And by the way, we did all this before Twitter and Instagram were, were, were we didn't have smartphones at the time of this. This is a, just a couple of years too early, because if we had our hashtag would have been eat, eat bait or something like that, we would have been really encouraged people to start looking at their bait as, as a food fish. But um, I, I, by the way, if anyone ever wants to try one of these recipes, I can email you the recipe. I'd be happy to, <laughs> happy to do it. And then we started getting paid to do some cool things. So the local radio station called us up, and we got to make a commercial. This is a radio commercial. I, I put pictures with it because that's what I do. This is a fish nerd minute about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Dave. And I'm Clay. We're brought to you today by Ames, Big Tackle. <laughs> Clay, what do you think of when you hear the word minnow? I think about tiny big fish. <laughs> They're not all tiny. New Hampshire's largest native minnow, the fall fish, its state record is three pounds, eight ounces. Wow. And during the spring, this fall fish goes through amazing transformation. The males turn purple and pink, go horns all over their heads. Fallfish <laughs> can be caught by almost any technique. We actually catch them while we're usually fishing for trout. But they will take flies, chase spinnerbaits, and they put up a decent fight for their size. Right. And most people in New Hampshire are caught fallfish, but nobody knows their names. A lot of people think these fallfish are trout. And not many people agree, but they're great to eat. We love to have them in fish cakes for our favorite falafel fallfish. <laughs> For more Fish Nerds fun, check out Fish Nerds Podcast on iTunes or FishNerds.com. By the way, in that picture of the falafel fallfish, which, which was delicious, um, the, what looked like onions in there, those were cat of nine tails. I had gone out to my local swamp and pulled a couple of cat of nine tails out, and if you peel them back, the inner shoots, the greens, totally spicy, delicious. Saute them up, put them on a topping on your sandwich. They're, and they're, they're one of the only, I know in New Hampshire it is true, they're the only plant that has edible parts all year. So if you're ever starving in the woods, there's always something edible on a cat of nine tails. And they're good. So, but um, by this time, we had launched the podcast, which was our internet radio show. And again, we're always thinking, now we're going to hit the big time. And our agent quit. We're fired. We're not sure what happened, but we stopped talking to him. <laughs> the book deal got put aside, and we started making the podcast every single week. And both papers we were writing for folded and uh, went out of business, and so we're like, all right, we've hit the big time. Uh, you know, we've finally done it. <laughs> Mom will be so proud. And my wife's starting to get a little frustrated that we're not making money, but <laughs> she has a real job. She's, my, she's a teacher, and I was, I guess I was teaching, but I wasn't, wasn't doing it well. Um, <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. I was a good teacher. Uh, and then we ran into some problems. We started catching fish we didn't know, and that were really hard to identify. And we ate this fish, and I caught it in a watershed known to hold um, bridled shiners, which are a little minnow. And I caught it, and I took its picture, and I sent it to a fishing game biologist and said, what is this thing that I just killed? And she emailed me back, you just killed endangered species, protected, and you broke the law. Right? And I went, are you sure? And then she sent the picture to like six other biologists, and turns out it was not the bridled shiner. It was a lake chub. And when they're juvenile fish, they're very hard to distinguish. I had more photos. I had, you can count the, on the photos I gave them. You can count the rays and the dorsal fin and all that, and they were able to figure it out. So, but it's a good opportunity to talk about the problem with a quest like this is you will run into endangered fish. Uh, so we titled that, that story, Endangered Species Are Delicious, because I'm sure they are. Um, <laughs> but also, we did it for an attention grab, uh, and we made um, lake chub chowder with that. So again, I'm not a chef, but I can, I can make rhymes almost. Um, but it was totally delicious. It was actually one of the best things we've eaten. And I made the, the total portion size cooked was a quarter cup. So I, I just took a recipe for chowder, and I smallified it. That's science talk for make smaller. And then I made a really yummy chowder, and it was totally good. And by the way, one of the things during our quest is if you caught a small fish, one of the things we always did was flip a coin. And if you got the heads, you ate the heads. And I'm pretty sure Dave had a two-headed coin because I always, always <laughs> ate the heads. But they're totally edible. We brought, my kids got involved. That's uh, the big ones. My daughter Zoe, she's 10 now. I think she was smaller then. And then uh, Sammy, my little one, that's her eating a sea lamprey right there. Yeah. Uh, what's this? And then we got to pay to make TV commercials, which I'm really happy about. And these are my favorite to do. I'll make you watch them. This is the which was just so much fun for us. And then, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'd be working in the schools with kids and stuff uh, and have them seeing these on TV or hearing us on the radio. You know, we get this minor celebrity, which is what a podcaster is. You're, you're an internet celebrity, which is like a celebrity, only that no one cares about. So um, <laughs> that's what we do. And then we get, we get invited to places like this, which makes you feel like, man, I'm kind of a big deal. This is cool. Uh, that's my fall fish there. Um, Gonna come back. Oh, and, and we got into making other kinds of commercials too, not just about like, here's what this fish is, but then they asked us to make some like fishing techniques. And I thought I'd show you this one because 
I, I, there's not much ice fishing in Virginia Beach. Um, so this is like a little cultural challenge here. Uh, we made this commercial in my local pond up in Conway, New Hampshire, where I live. Um, and just kind of give you a baseline of temperature. It was not windy that day, which is important for filming because the wind wrecks your audio. Um, but it was five below zero up that day. But the sun was out, so we weren't uncomfortable. We're a little uncomfortable. We weren't that uncomfortable. But this is, this is one, of, one of my favorite ones. It makes, when, I, when I show this to my students, they, they laugh and make fun of me a lot, uh, and rightly so. It's time for the Fish Nerf Minute, presented by Andy, skiing snowboard with three of you and Bartlett. Andy, we make good skiing great. This is the Fish Nerd Minute about fish fishing and eating fish. I'm Dave. I'm Clay. Hey, Clay, do you like to drink? Absolutely. And we were catching, uh, just near the, near the end here, um, we were doing a lot more presentations, uh, talking to a lot more groups of people, not shown on here, one of my favorite presentations, we did a library trustees presentation in New Hampshire, so all the librarians in the state got together, we came in, did a presentation, and of course we cooked fish for the audience, which we usually did, and that week I had caught a wild goldfish, and so I found the recipe online for, uh, goldfish, by the way, terribly invasive fish, but it was a release from aquarium release. Um, it is palms just packed with them. And so I found the recipe for goldfish crackers from uh, like, like Pepper's Farm. And I cooked a whole batch of that. And while that was in the food processor, I had some roasted goldfish. I just dropped them whole into the food processor and cooked them into the, into the batter. And I served those to the library trustees. And they were eating them. And it wasn't until I got to the end of the presentation when I saw it. And tonight, I caught a goldfish. And they all went, what? And the room got silent. <laughs> And a few people started laughing really hard because they got it, and then the whole room kind of got in on it, and it was really fun. They were, they were delicious, too, by the way. Um, we call that one goldfish squared because goldfish crackers. Um, but this, um, the, the most common questions we get is, what's the worst-tasting fish in New Hampshire? And the worst taste, we're going to ask that, see? I anticipate these things. Do you want to ask it? No? If you had it in your heart to say it, what's the worst-tasting fish? Yeah, worst-tasting fish, uh, slimy sculpin. Uh, and... And we, we ate that on, live on public radio. Uh, we actually ate that and the best tasting fish in the same day on the same radio show. Um, and we, I, again, I, I used alliteration for my recipe. And I made a slimy sculpin scampi. And it tastes as good as it sounds. So when you, I got the head, of course. Um, when you take that first bite, it kind of explodes in your mouth with a buttery garlic flavor. And then, and then the slimy part happens. Um, and uh, slimy, I don't, it was not a good idea. Um, yeah, so don't do that. Um, that's a bad one. But then the best tasting fish, um, anyone eat freshwater fish here at all? 
I know we're near the ocean. What's your favorite freshwater fish? Yellow perch are fantastic, right? Totally good fish. Who else likes freshwater fish? What do you like? Walleye. walleye. I was hoping you, and you like trout? Catfish are great. I'm glad you said walleye, because walleye, we think in New Hampshire, for us, the best tasting freshwater fish. And what, what's your favorite cut on the walleye? Say cheeks. Yeah. So we, we made um, walleye cheeks with cheese sauce, cheeks with cheese sauce, and, and uh, totally, totally delicious. Um, and this was caught by my mother-in-law. Um, and you can see her. She's not giving the camera the finger, but she kind is. We started out that day pike fishing, and on her first cast, she hooked her little finger. We went to the ER and came back, and on her second cast, her, her second cast of the day, she caught the walleye. And we ate that one, and we ate cheeks with cheese sauce with broccoli, and fabulous, fabulous fish. My mother-in-law has a very good sense of humor, and she's been throughout this. What we learned about humor is there's two things that are always funny, mother-in-laws and New Jersey. So if you can work those into a conversation, <laughs> always funny, always, every time. <laughs> so totally fun. Um, and, and my favorite, personal favorite fish of the quest was a sea lamprey, not an eel. Um, biologically very, very different fish, no bones. Uh, and one of my very favorite fish in the, on the whole planet is a sea lamprey. I just love it. Um, it used to be up in Manchester, New Hampshire. Used to be called, Manchester, New Hampshire. Used to be called Dairyfield, New Hampshire. And uh, John Stark, one of our founders of New Hampshire, um, wrote a poem about these fish and called them Dairyfield beef um, because they're such a common food fish. Nobody eats them anymore. They're invasive in the Great Lakes. Restaurants are starting to serve them now as part of their sustainable seafood programs because they're trying to eliminate them from that watershed. They belong in our watershed. You do get lampreys down here, uh, not as common as in New England. Uh, in New England, uh, right, right now, if you go into any river on the coast, if you look in, it looks like rusty, rusty metal bars are in the river. And what it is this lamprey stacking up, trying to, to get upstream to spawn to their spawning grounds. And Native Americans used to pluck them out of there. Um, to get that one picture, I had to get bit by the lamprey about 25 times. My whole arm was covered in hickeys, both arms, um, and uh, yeah, and it was totally good. And we actually, we, we ate that one uh, at a public event at the Fish Ladder in Manchester, and I served it to about 30 public, people from the public. That was um, probably four feet. Uh, lampreys are known to be, you saw them, right? Where were you from? Yeah, well, the Connecticut River. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the anatomous fish in Connecticut are amazing. It's an amazing place. Shad fishery down there is crazy good. Um, so I think in our final fish, let's end it up with the last fish in the quest, channel catfish. We actually went out with the intent of ending the quest on this fish, and we caught the state record. This was not only the not only the last fish in our quest, number 48, but also the biggest catfish anyone had ever seen in New Hampshire. Uh, and of course, we killed it. Um, and these are, these are new to New Hampshire. They don't belong there. This fish, this was in the bottom left corner of New Hampshire, about four hours from my house, and in Hinsdale, right below the dam. Uh, and they'd have, these fish have not been in New Hampshire um, until the last five years, and they're coming. And they get there because bucket biologists, fishermen, decide, you know, it'd be really great. It'd be great to catch some blue cats, some channel cats, or whatever. I'm going to take a bucket load of babies and dump them on top of the dam, and then they spread like maniacs. You guys have that here in Virginia with, with the blue cats, which you should be eating, um, but we're eating the channel cats. And, of course, catfish is always good. So, so that's how we ended the quest.
and we called it done, and the book never happened. Still going to happen someday, maybe. Um, but the podcast is still happening. Dave has quit because um, life gets in the way, and it's really hard to keep a, a production schedule of a free show. Um, and so we, I still do it. Dave is still part of my creative team. And after he quit the show, our listeners started contributing. It's now on our show. We have biologists from Canada. We have conservationists. We have chefs. We have biologists in California. We have lawn manufacturers in Australia. Uh, and the, the show has gotten more diverse. And just like everything, that helps. And since Dave quit, uh, which I'm really sad about, um, the show has actually been snowballing and growing and growing and growing. And not because he quit, but because the show was forced to get more diverse in what we do. And again, we talk about all things fish. Fish, fishing, and eating fish. So we go everywhere the fish are, and we even have, I've invited them on, but there's a couple of fish groups out that side of us who think no one should fish, and they protest my show, they write letters, they email my boss and tell me I'm a bad person, I work with kids, and they say there's no way he could be a good person because he kills fish. Um, and I called them and I said, I'd love to have you on the show, tell your story. I'm not going to argue with you, I just want, I'd love to have you on just because it diversified the ideas. Um, but we've, we've been all over and having a great time, and now we're here. And if anyone has any questions about the quest to catch all the fish in New Hampshire, I'd be happy to entertain you. Thanks so much for listening to that, uh, that presentation. And, of course, a big fat thank you to the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center for having me down there. And if, if you're a big fan of the fish nerds and you've listened to a lot of our shows, you'll know there are some factual errors <laughs> in my presentation. I'd love you to pull those out and let's talk about my mistakes and I made a lot of them. Uh, but until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd, spawn early and often, avoid free lunch with strings attached, and swim against the current every chance you get.